Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Trevor Prentice. Trevor has nearly a decade of experience managing and advising on intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets, and commercial agreements. And he is the founder and lead technical property strategist with IP Link. Trevor has a BSc in physics and master's in aerospace engineering and a certificate of innovation and entrepreneurship from the Michael G. Foster School of Business at the University of Washington. Trevor is refreshingly not a lawyer, and as such, he will help you understand and optimize your intellectual property protection strategy from a business perspective. And now I'll pass the mic over to Trevor while he will interview Sophia Fairweather. Take it away, Trevor. Thanks, Al. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Sophia Fairweather. For many years, Sophia has run a business called Startup by Sophia, creating and selling many products, including the windshield band-aid, Fun Crow, and most recently, she's been working on a new air quality system, uh, which I'm interested in learning more about. Sophia has been a leader and role model in entrepreneurship and STEM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, and math, for most of her life, and has won many awards for her efforts, including the Canada 150 Women of Inspiration Award, an Aztec Award, the Manning Innovation Award in Alberta, uh, Tech Venture Award, an Alberta. ATB Booster Award and the Alberta Leaders of Tomorrow Award. Uh, she's been recognized in the Alberta Legislative Assembly and the Canadian Senate and Parliament. Quite the list of awards and accolades there. So you can check her out at startupbysophia.com, on Twitter at startupbysophia, and on LinkedIn by searching for Sophia Fairweather. So, Sophia, welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. How are you today? I'm good. You? Great. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. So uh, one of the ways we typically like to get started is just to get a bit of a sense of what inspired you to become an entrepreneur and how you got started with entrepreneurship. So uh, maybe, yeah, let us know uh, how you got started and what, what was your initial inspiration to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, um, so when I was around five or six, so in grade one, maybe like late kindergarten, uh, my dad was a computer engineer. And I thought this was pretty fantastic. And he would sometimes bring me to his work. Uh, But whenever I actually went to his work, I'd only see one to two women that were there. And I found this quite strange because that was like I would expect there to be more. So I asked my dad why. And he said, well, women just sometimes don't feel comfortable in this field. And I found that even more strange. And I asked if I could do something and he actually encouraged me and I and suggested I start with something that I actually really like. And at the time, I really liked baking things. And to be honest, I still like baking things. Um, so I started with making cookies and uh, putting coffee supplies uh, at my dad's work and I would sell the cookies that I made. Uh, for one dollar and I just walk around and I distinctly remember the coffee because I would always describe it as smelling like rotten eggs and ketchup. Uh, not exactly the most descriptive thing, but it was not a pleasant smell. And then from there, 
I went on to Funko, which I went on with quite for like for quite a while. I was with it for maybe three years, and it it was what gave me the boost and kept me going. Going, it was an idea that I had, and I just kept going on with it. Uh, after a while of doing that, though, I started wanting to come up with more prototypes and products, and I started first with windshield band aid, and uh, that was just a kind of uh, it was literally a band-aid for any chips that were in your windshield and it would prevent dirt, dust, and things from getting in and making a crack. And I also just focused on getting me more out there and getting to know more people. And I just kept making more prototypes, which is very nice to do if you want to see if you'll actually stick with an idea or if you actually like that idea. Also, it, it, it can be quite cheap, so that's always nice. Um, now I'm working on something called SASE, like you mentioned, um, which stands for Smart Air Sensor System. And then the I at the end stands for um, IoT, which is Internet of Things, uh, which is just computers and tablets and laptops and the internet, just all being one system. Uh, and it is a sensor that communicates with an app on your phone, which tells you what the air around you is like and how it affects your health. And then when you'll recover from the grime and gases that are in the air that you have just breathed in. Um, yeah, that's so what I think started me into becoming into the, an entrepreneur and getting into this was just that just going into my dad's work and seeing uh, that there weren't many women and wanting to try and change that and just growing from there. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's quite the story, especially, I mean, you mentioned you were only five years old at the beginning of this journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's quite amazing. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. So I, I guess you mentioned your, uh, your fun crow project. So about how old were you when you started uh, working on the fun crow? Well, I came up with the idea of when I was round seven because coffee and cookies just didn't really like suit my interest. Kids do like uh, have different ideas and will pursue them at different times and so on and so forth. Uh, so mm -hmm. what I came up with it, I think when I was around maybe seven or eight or uh, maybe seven and a half, somewhere around that age range. And uh, I really started jumping into it late eight though, because I had to find people that actually could make Funkrow. Because the point of Funcro was making Velcro something more fun and colorful because I found it very dull, and but it had a practical use. So I thought I'd just make it different so then even kids could use it. So what I would do, so what it what was, it, it was a lot less prickly on the rough side and it was colorful and there, and there was puzzles you could put together and it, it was just, a more fun version and that was what I went on and used for quite a while to get myself out there and to what I presented myself as doing. Great yeah wow that again sounds quite amazing especially so I have uh, I have some kids around those ages that you're mentioning uh, my oldest is nine and I have a seven-year-old and then some younger kids as well so I'm um, I'm aware of uh, their Sort of their interests and their uh, abilities and some of the projects that they're working on and uh, 
you know, one question that I might even have for you is, is were your parents a big support or either of your parents entrepreneurs? I mean, you mentioned your dad uh, worked in uh, computer programming or computer development, but um, where does where does that inspiration come from? And for parents like me and other parents who might be listening, uh, what recommendations might you have to parents to uh, help them inspire their kids to uh, become entrepreneurs like you? Yeah, yeah. Um... So funnily enough, actually, my dad was an entrepreneur and what he focused on was getting kids into entrepreneurship. So a little point that I actually forgot to talk about was uh, he was already helping kids get into the business realm and he just sort of just went and helped me uh, get and do basically what his um, what, what his idea and ideas uh for other youth and he helped and supported me with those plans and ideas. So that's how I sort of got into, like I was able to get in because they were that because of the support that I got but also because uh, he did have a little bit of experience um, with kids. So, right, and then good. the next, yeah, the next part I think that you were talking about was, things that I, that could help uh, adults and parents and things. So what I think maybe the most important thing is, is I, I do understand because I have a little brother. Uh, kids, uh, they sometimes have ideas and you have no idea what to do with them. But it's good to at least try and come up with, like, see if they like the idea. Uh, give them options of what to do with their idea and just go forward with what they're interested in and ev- and teach them that even if uh, something I learned from a design thinking course that I'm recently taking is uh, if you have an idea and it doesn't work, use the good parts and then use those good parts and start something new. And... That is something that I think is very useful and you should teach your kids uh, because entrepreneurship is an amazing thing. There's also many ideas that flop. You have to try and at least teach them that even if they do fail, they can do things with that failure. Failure is just a way of showing that you can get better at something. Uh, And then for like if you do with your kid start coming up with ideas and you're being like you're just going out there and uh talking about what uh your kid's idea is and your kid is going out there and presenting and things uh so my some things that I found the hard way was that if you just go to an event as a kid people will not talk to you they will ask you why you're there and they'll be super confused if you say you have an idea and then ask you if that's your parents' idea. So it's good for you if you do go to an event, if you have a booth or if you're up on a stage presenting. Uh, it's good for just in general, but it's also good especially for if you're a youth because then you're taken more seriously. Something that, again, I found quite hard was people would not take me seriously being a kid. Um, so being a youth sort of has its own lens of, uh, problems and sort of 
like the main things are pretty similar. Like everything, like coming up with ideas, that is pretty similar. But the way you execute and go forward with those ideas can be a little different and you need to find other ways. Uh, Yeah, also with technology and uh, with the internet and things, it is, I've actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Like it's sort of sucked being stuck inside with quarantine, but internet and going on to these kind of video chats, if I just have my name, Sophia Fairweather, people won't, will assume that I'm an adult and they'll take me more seriously and then I'm able to get into more adult conversations. I find that there's a lot less discrimination against me or they act more like if I was an adult, which I understand that. You want to treat a kid like a kid, but it is nice if you treat them like an adult. Sometimes something that I try to do, uh, which is why getting a booth and presenting at something, I think is a really good idea and you should do that. Uh, Other than that, I think those are my main tips. I mean, I have many contacts and uh, organizations that I think are very helpful and work really fun like uh, Business Link. I'm not sure if they're outside of Alberta from what I know, but I do know that they're very helpful and they were the first people that, uh, like when I went to them, they were like, sure, we can definitely help you. They were like, actually wanted to help me when I was like seven. Uh, And then Startup Edmonton, which I am almost 100% sure is just in Edmonton, but if there's another organization around that's sort of like them, they give courses so you can learn the basics uh, and they and so you can sort of grow with an idea and figure out what you can do with that idea. I found uh, it was very nice to sort of be surrounded by other entrepreneurs and uh, come up with more ideas with them. Cool. Which, which of their courses did you attend? Or did you attend one of the Startup Edmonton courses or some of the events? Or uh, I don't think I've attended an event at all, but I, I did take one of their courses uh, it was a uh, something flight one, and it was supposed to uh, oh, teach you the basics of like what I was talking about of teaching basics uh, and helps you sort of get off the ground and have sort of an idea of what you're doing. Uh, not yeah, exactly, great, yeah. but it's something that they are willing to help you with, uh, which is why I really enjoyed Startup Edmonton. And for also parents, uh, if you can't find something like that, teaching your kids the basic skills like just like prototypes like I was saying and ways that you can come up with ideas finding a problem it finding a problem sorry and then fixing it think just simple things like that it can like kids do listen to your to their parents even if they don't want to sometimes so they will yeah, listen even, to you even though if it even if it doesn't seem that way sometimes they <laughs> yeah <listen>. <laughs> Great. Well, that's no, that's pretty amazing that uh, that uh, you were able to attend the pre-flight program and work with Business Link and other other organizations. And yeah, that's also really interesting to hear that you felt some discrimination almost against the fact that you were younger. And I can I can only imagine, you know, attending a pre-flight, a pre-flight startup Edmonton type program or course. Uh, and I'm assuming most of the other people in the course were quite a bit older than you. Is that the case? Yes, yes. All of them were, like, the youngest ones there were maybe late 20s. 
<laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so that's probably quite intimidating for you as well and uh, in those types of situations. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm glad uh, that Star of Edmonton, because they'll have you, uh, at least in the first course, uh, the second course, they didn't do as much. But in the first course, they would get you to go up on, like, on the first day or the second day, um, they'll get you to go up and explain what your idea is. And once I explained what I did, and I sort of just made sure that people actually knew why I was there, I found that it was really nice. Like the like they understood that I was just coming up with ideas and I wanted to pursue them, which was really nice. So I'm glad that Star Edmonton did that. But it was there is a little bit of discrimination, which is natural, but it is sometimes not the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so you mentioned in a, in addition to those types of courses and uh, and organizations that have helped that at a certain point in your entrepreneurial journey, you started trying to get out there a bit more, getting to know people. Um, and uh, I know you've attended some of the rainforest events. And so uh, have uh, what what's, what has your experience with those been and what other events have you attended or in what ways did you really try to get out there into the community? Well, uh, so events that I've been to, um, I have been to many uh, the mo- I think uh, maybe the biggest one I've ever went to was an event that was in, that I spoke at was an event that was in Orlando, Florida. Actually, happily enough, that's where my grandparents live. So I was able to hang out with them as well as go to the event. Uh, and that had maybe 6,000 people, I think. Wow. Yeah. Well, they, 10 to 15. Yeah, ten to 15,000 people-ish that were there. And it was a pretty big event. And it was really fun. There, there was many things that they go to. Um, rainforest events that I've went to. I, I've been to maybe three to four classes. And I've really enjoyed what they've done. I think they're cool and quite helpful. And uh, I'm glad that they get experienced. And not experienced, actually, when you become a member and the quiz you take, uh, it actually asks you which it, if you're experienced or not experienced, meaning that there are experienced and not experienced people there. Uh, so uh, not as experienced people can learn from people with experience and they can mingle and share ideas uh, and people can hear things and see things that can maybe inspire them uh, and others that are there to encourage you to keep going so uh in conclusion i actually think that uh rainforest is pretty cool and i like what they are doing i mean with COVID 19 around and not actually being able to meet in person they still have virtual events uh something that i found was quite nice uh so you can still feel like you aren't completely alone and you can still spread ideas so i think what rainforest is doing is quite cool i like it great great cool uh, in, in regards to the, the quarantine, I guess, um, well, you normally you would, you would still be in school. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I guess, I guess tying into that and even just throughout your entrepreneurial journey, how has school either supported or kind of gotten in the way of your entrepreneurship? Um, well, I all, I mean. <laughs> I've actually found that because I'm at school, cause I do, I don't, I'm not homeschooled. I go to like a public school. I have found that the eight hours a day that I would usually have doing schoolwork, I now have 
and I can be a lot more into my business. Like I have a lot more time and I can spread out when I do things. So I have a little more choice on what I do at certain times. With school, you can't, in my class, in my grade, grade six, I can't have my device in the class at the same time and I can't be doing things um, that are business related at the same time I'm doing classwork because you're at school to do school. So I've actually found that I've been able to actually boost and like go out a little more. It has halted what I've been able, because I was going to go to um, an adventures uh, thing that's actually today. And I may have been, I might have spoken, I might have been able to speak at it. And there were a few other things that I'm, an event that I may have gone to that I'm now not really able to go to. Uh, But like, I can go to them, but at the same time, I'm not like presenting there and able to like mingle and chat with people. Um, Like I'm still able to present, but at the same time, it's sort of different. Uh, so I found that a little, but I, I, like, it's good, and I'm glad I can still present, but it's also, it's a little sad at the same time. So uh, I, it sort of boosted me in different areas, and it sort of slowed me down in other areas. It's been interesting. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and I think I'm sure that's probably how it's been for most people, <laughs> uh, especially entrepreneurs. You know, certain industries seem to be doing quite well, and there's a huge boost, uh, and then other industries are almost shut down entirely. So, uh, but yeah, interesting to hear that uh, that at least from the school perspective, it's giving you some flexibility on when you're able to work on your business versus working on your schoolwork, which is which is pretty cool. Um, even even before, so when you were actually in school, uh, did your school happen to have any uh, like programs or activities for entrepreneurs uh, or any teachers that were particularly interested in sort of helping you along your way? Or was most of that support uh, pretty much coming from your parents? My school is an art school. It is a dance music art school. So there the teachers there are supportive they just don't really exactly know in what ways they can support me um my school is definitely nice and i learn there um uh the the teachers are focused more on art they have a history of doing more art right now um i'm with a teacher that actually sells art that he paints and things so uh, I think my most supportive teacher was in grade two. Uh, she was very supportive. And it was in the time where I was still coming up with what to do for um, Bunkro. So that was quite nice. It was nice having another adult supporting me. But most of my support uh, has been coming from uh, the house and from people that I've met from events, which have been quite nice. So you mentioned that uh, your school is an art school, uh, but also uh, I understand, and even just hearing more about your, especially your more, most recent project, the Sassy, which we'll get into in a minute, but it sounds like you've really taken uh, a direction towards STEM, so science, engineering, those types of areas. Um, I guess other than your dad maybe working in those types of areas as well, what, what got you into that and what really got you interested into, in STEM? Oh, yeah, yeah, like what uh, my dad, uh, yeah, with, of course, my dad being an engineer, I found that quite cool. But I've always been 
really into making things. Like I, I really enjoy creating things and then the sense of accomplishment at the end. Like I even find that with just like, even if I'm not doing particularly engineering, like if I start something, I really want to finish it. And I just like keep like building on it. Uh, and I, when I finish it, or if I've done a good job, uh, it's sort it's really um, nice, and I find it quite satisfying. So, the, like with engineering, being able to visualize that with like Lego and things, and finishing a project or making a cool sculpture, I've always found that really nice. I've always just enjoyed making, creating things. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that actually. I mean, I've always thought that science, engineering, technology, they go hand in hand with art as well, in, especially, you know, as you as you were just talking about creating things and, and making things. Um, obviously, that's there's a lot of creativity that needs to go into that as well. So, you know, the other the acronym that I've heard thrown around a little bit as well is almost uh, STEAM, just throwing the A in there for art as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I find... I think STEAM, it, like for instance, uh, the first way my dad explained to me that engineering and art are sort of alike is he showed me like a muffin carton and it showed that it was engineering making uh, it like actually hold the muffins and having a cap uh, and it closed and everything, yada, yada, but also had designs on it and the label on it was really satisfying and it made them and the muffins looked quite good. And it, it, like how engineering and art actually go uh, with each other. So, yeah, steam uh, or and art and engineering actually do go together quite well. Yes. Uh, and yeah, yeah, um, it's been it's definitely nice to have a different like going to an art school, you get a different view on how to do things with like art and things. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. And I mean, even your, your fun crow, fun crow project also seemed quite artistic. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. In, <laughs> so yeah, it definitely a lot of overlap between the science, engineering, art, and then even business. I mean, you mentioned one of your teachers, uh, sells their art which is almost an, an entrepreneurial venture as well so cool that's really yeah that's really great so of course i wanted to hear a little bit more about your current project the, the sassy project that this one sounds like uh at least uh, at least one or two levels up in, in terms of uh technical difficulty uh so how did you put that together and how's that how's that working out for you now it was many different things i started off with uh making of thinking I was going to make a sensor that would go on the back of your phone because almost everybody has a phone with them or some device with them constantly. So it would be able to figure out what air you're breathing at different times. And the app component has basically stayed the same throughout the entire thing that would tell you how bad the air is around you, how it's affected you, and then how long it'll take for you to heal time going on I started realizing that that would be expensive and making it thin enough to actually fit on your phone would be hard we we fiddled with the idea of making a phone case but that wouldn't we decided not to do that so then um using the ideas of for instance a fire um, alarm or 
I think I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. Uh, what we would do is we would take the data away from sensors like those, like CO2 detectors and fire alarms. We'd use that data and that would be put into the cloud and then it would go into your phone so then you knew what you were breathing. Uh, and that was a lot cheaper and uh, I still had the app component of what I wanted to do, which was trying to help you see what you're breathing in and then how you're affected by it. Um, I came up with this maybe two years ago. Uh, actually, it, it was somewhere in maybe October or August. And I came up with it at the time because it was uh, it made, in Banff, there were tons and tons of wildfires. And you would look outside and it was literally neon green. Uh, and just like all these just varies of colors and it was strange and when you went outside your eyes would burn and you would just like be coughing on smoke and things and even better I had a dance recital this exact same day because of um, my school being in a dance school so this made me aware that sure if you went onto a website for uh, like Alberta government it would tell you what the air was like it would say it's like seven or it'd give you a number, but nobody really knows exactly what seven means. Like it means it's bad, but how bad? What will it do to my health? So I, that's how I came up with the idea of knowing you're affected, but also knowing when you're healed. And like there's a little like scale that I have for my prototype that shows that what, how bad the air is, for instance, like, uh, it would also, it would like show you, just, like it would go from green to like orange to yellow, to green to yellow to orange to red. And it would uh, just show you how bad it is just on a scale and then how long it'll take for you to heal on a different scale from like 50 hours to maybe a day, for just maybe a day to you have problems and you might want to check out with a doctor uh, and we also feel the idea of sending an actual email to your doctor uh which we still think would be a good idea because if you actually are really impacted it would be nice for a doctor to actually know so they can help you so yeah, yeah, that's cool. sort yeah. of how sassy kind of came to be also i really enjoyed uh making a fun word so that's why i came up with sassy and then uh, or I came up with different words that described what it meant, and then I fiddled with them to make the word sassy because that's sort of fun to say. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's you definitely uh, seems like you're quite good at the marketing side as well, <laughs> branding. So I guess one one last question, um, just to wrap things up. Uh, so if there was if there was one thing that you'd like to share with uh, new entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs who are who are struggling through their entrepreneurial journey, what, what would that be? What kind of advice would you have for uh, entrepreneurs, maybe they're young entrepreneurs? Although I've been noticing throughout our talk here, you've been sort of directing some of your advice towards young entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, in my sense, I think that'd be a lot more broadly applicable. I mean, you were talking earlier about about failure and uh, teaching parents could teach their kids to just accept that failure and take the best pieces and move on to the next project with those best pieces. I think that's actually great advice for any entrepreneur of any age. So, um, so, <laughs> but yeah, if you had any, if you had any advice just to give 
to new entrepreneurs or people who are in their journey, uh, what would it be? Um, so just advice for entrepreneurs, not caring if they're young or old. Of course, that one. Uh, if you come with a project, don't completely get rid of it. Use the big piece, get use the best pieces and grow with that. Uh, there's also uh, presenting and booths. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Going up on stage and, and showing to the like whole audience what you do and why you do it and how you've gotten there, it makes it easier to mingle with people because they know who and like what you're doing. Um, and then you can move on from that and get into more things. Uh, uh, three quotes that I really like uh, that aren't exactly super deep and thorough but it they're they're factual and i found that they they are pretty good and i enjoy them a lot um i came up with innovation doesn't discriminate um neither does engineering uh peer-to-peer learning rocks i that's for young and old if you have someone around your same age doing something that you want to do and they're doing it very successfully chances are that you will do it and that you realize that you actually can do it. Uh, and then if you can see it, you can be it, which sort of ties into the peer-to-peer learning rocks. Uh, and then I think those are pretty much what my favorite quotes are for young and old. There's definitely, I like you heard, I have a lot for a lot younger audience because I was that for quite a while and I still am. So, uh, but I think those four are just in a broad range can help. Oh, and actually also design thinking. If, even if you have no idea what it is and you don't think that you actually have the time for it, it is amazing and it can help you with um, figuring out how to get through problems. And it's just a different way of being creative and, that, like I said, it's uh, it's what taught me find the good parts and then grow with it. Uh, it I find it has really helped me be more creative and find creative ways to get through problems and create things. And it's what uh, design thinking, uh, it also has the view of if you find a problem, you fix it. That's how you come up with an idea. So design thinking, huge recommendation. It's really great. I find it's really nice. And I'm still working towards being better at design thinking, but I think design thinking is phenomenal. Great. Cool. So is there anything else uh, that we may have missed that you wanted to discuss today? Uh, something that I usually always like to address is um, just from what I've experienced at schools and how I feel felt when I started Funkro, I found that, and with, because I have a little brother right now that's actually seven, uh, almost eight, is at the, so if you have an idea and you want to grow with it uh, and you're super excited, for instance, engineering and me, uh, how I enjoyed that, uh, you enjoy it until you, and then I find at the age of seven or in grade one, you start to look around your peers and see if what you're doing is right or if it's normal. So 
addressing uh, things that maybe are problems or uh, we should grow with and that if you want to encourage, for instance, boys to be uh, nurses or girls to be in engineering and so on and so forth, it's better to be it for it to be addressed at the age of seven because that's also where I found out was like, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Should it happen? And am I fitting in kind of thing? That's what was going through my head uh, at that time. So being introduced to the kind of females that are out there like Ada Lovelace and Maria Curry, I did not know them until I actually searched them up. Uh, which was round eight and seven as well. Uh, being introduced to them when you're maybe seven or eight, I think would have a positive influence on youth and women going into the STEM field. So yeah, I think that's the only thing I really want to address. Uh, it's something I always want to share and let people at least know about it. Yeah, no, that is that is interesting. So that you find that that seven, about seven to eight year your range is where, you know, at least in your experience and maybe more broadly than kids are really starting to, you know, look at their peers to see what these social norms are. And uh, so it's an important age to attempt maybe to change some of those social, social norms for the better. Yeah, you figure out what's right and what's wrong, basically. It's the simple version. Yeah, crazy. Amazing. Well, thank you very much. I mean, this this has been an awesome uh learning experience for me and hopefully for our listeners as well. And uh, you, you've had quite the journey. So I, I hope to keep an eye out and see how Startup by Sophia progresses over the years. And uh, But thank you very much for being on the show. And to our listeners, thank you for listening in. And again, if you want to learn more about uh, Sophia, go check out startupbysophia.com or uh, Startup by Sophia on Twitter or her name on LinkedIn. So thanks again for listening and I hope uh, you enjoyed the podcast episode today. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. The audio for this episode was professionally edited by Kate Day with KD Sound Design. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>